If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Law of Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Graham. In today's episode, we have a very special guest who you may know from TV and music. Now, before we get started with the episode, I encourage you all to subscribe, rate, and leave reviews for my podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Today's episode, man, we got a, a very special guest, man. We got a Philly rap legend in here, man. Um, I, I want you to do the honors and introduce yourself to the listeners. Shout out to all the listeners out there. This this your boy Enes, Philly Zone, King of Rock and Roll, Lock and Load, King of Battle Rap, Lou Phil, Don Lucchese, Loch Ness Monster, the one and only Enes. You already fucking know. King of Battle Rap. What's going on? Yo, man, so before we get into all, you know, your career and everything, man, I wanted, I always want to do is take it back, man. Let the listeners, you know, uh, go on your journey, you know, so... Uh, was there a moment that really kind of got you into wanting to rap? Um, I was born in the late 70s. So, you know, I mean, I first, I was real young when hip-hop was just getting started. So, you know, growing up, the whole thing was hip-hop would never last. Hip-hop is a fad. It's going, it's going to die out. And look where it's at now. So I've, I've seen it from the early, early on stages all the way to where it is now. Whereas battle rap is like a mainstay now. When they said that wasn't going to be around. And I dipped and dabbled in that and kept the, the seed planted in that that realm or that that part of the culture also. But um, just being a fan of hip-hop, man, I started off breakdancing and that evolved into writing my own lyrics, which was in, I think, 92 or 93. Like when, like the whole East Coast, like Wade was real heavy, the Wu Tang, Biggie Smalls, uh, Mob Deep, Onyx, uh, like that type of wave. So that's when I really got in heavy and start crafting and writing my own rhymes back in '93. Okay, okay. So was there like someone that you really kind of looked up to? Whether it was you know just on the East Coast pair, was there somebody in Philly that you kind of looked up to? Because uh, I'm I'm still um, new to Philly, and I you know I heard that right, you know. Um, if, if you're Philly, not hot in Philly, Philly was always written. Now I was just saying, you know, what I was saying? saying that if you're not hot, I was hurt. I was saying that I heard that if you're not hot in Philly, then you ain't really hot nowhere else, you know. So was there somebody in Philly, anything like that, that kind of had you wanting, you know, to rap? Yeah, no. Um, I first got started, which is actually uh, um, turned out to be my production deal, which the whole uh, making a band, I would say, deal was through. I was never signed to Bad Boy directly. I was always signed to a production deal, Black Key Productions. Black Key was mm-hmm. another guy from my neighborhood, which is Barton Village Projects out of Southwest Philadelphia that had his hand in music. And early on, he invested in my career and developed me and nurtured me and teach, teach me the song structure and how to count bars and things of that nature. So, uh, make a long story short, I always looked up to him and he's the one that kind of developed me and he also asked me to partake in it being a super group, which was like a group from the neighborhood 
that consisted of smaller groups, which was called the Bum Rush. And I was also a member of that, and this certain producer from my neighborhood was also a member of that, Black Key Productions. So he had a lot of placements uh, on DMX albums, uh, 50 Cent albums, Ludacris, Jadakiss. He also, he actually did one of DMX's biggest hits, which is The We Right Here. Mm, I remember that. I remember that song. Right here, oh, and also he did the uh, the snakes. Then 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 he did that too. So the, those was both uh, uh, platinum selling singles that drove the album Depression to move platinum sales. Those was the two leading singles off that album, which drove it to go platinum. And those was my producers' placements on that album. So yeah, we had a real history of music, and um, uh, these are kind of the guys that shaped me. As far as industry guys, of course, like Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J, because he had the soft side for the ladies and still a hard side for the fellas. A lot of what Drake's doing today. Um, of course, Cool G rap with the gangster, the whole street element. Rock Kim with the knowledge. Uh, KRS One with the whole confidence and that whole braggadocio type of thing. So I've I, I, I kind of channeled my style, crafted my style after a lot of people. As far as Philly's concerned, you know, we had Molly G from Southwest. He was in a group illegal with the boy, uh, forgot the dark skin kid name. But you know what I'm talking about, the group called The Legal. Uh, Left Eyes from Southwest. Charlie Baltimore is from Southwest. Tracy mm -hmm. Lee is from Southwest. So we got a long history of just, you know, Talented rappers, most wanted. Roscoe P. Cochaney, he was signed to Star Trek. Most wanted was signed to uh, Pharrell and them. So it was like, you know, just coming up around that element, you know, beans and state property, that whole environment, major figures, Gilly. Mm -hmm. So much competition. So I had so much energy to draw from the craft of my style and kind of figure out who I wanted to be. Mm. So you said you was in a in a group though. How long was you in the group before you finally, you know, went on to to be solo? It's crazy that you asked it because I was a, I was an adolescent, so I was actually still in high school. And at that time, I was going to Central High School, which is an academic, like the top academic school in Philadelphia. So, yeah, I was a project kid, but I was smart, so I would have to get up five thirty in the morning and travel all the way across town to be on time for school. So with that being said, being that I was in a good school, my mom was real strict about my grades and me keeping up with my schoolwork. So then she felt as though the group was a distraction from that. So, you know, the, the group came to a decision where, you know, I got booted from the group. So I was only in the group for like a year. But within that time span, we did Showtime at the Apollo and we did a lot of um, local showcases, open up for a lot of big artists in, in that time span. So I got to learn a lot. But then I only got... I only had like a year time with them and then I got booted and then Black Keys, which was also a member of the group, started working with me on my solo solo songs and structuring my solo career. So that probably was like a year and then I was by myself. I was on my own. Mm. Okay, so now we, we at uh the making the band part. So, you know, you you had the audition, like tell me what the auditions was like, man, because you know, everybody Everybody was back at this time, you know, it was the hottest shit on TV, man. So for someone oh, to be chosen to be a part of it, you know, well, this was that had to be something. Nobody, this was uncharted territory for Puff, for MTV, for everything. 
the only group before that to come through the Making the Band series was Old Town, which was a group mm-hmm. out of uh, Miami, I mean, Florida. And that was like a, like kind of like a, a boy band group. So this was the first time they was doing something with hip hop. So this kind of gave Puff his new image, you know, which was kind of like not so good going into this, the Making the Band situation. Cause you know, he had, was coming off the, you know, the trial and the case with Sean and all these different things to break up with J-Lo. So, so many different things going on in his life. That's when he decided to do the whole thing with MTV. But the audition itself was like, it was a carnival. You know, everybody had on their hip-hop gear and all that. So, <laughs> I just come out, coming from, you know, just the projects and, you know, low-income housing. I didn't have the money that other, you know, people that was auditioning had for a, for a rapper's outfit to audition for. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at it like I was starting to see how really serious people took trying to get on and really trying to get discovered. So the first time I auditioned, it was it was wrapped around the corner. It was some down, somewhere down Old City, which is like kind of upscale part of Philadelphia, closer to downtown near Independence Hall, kind of like down the street from the Liberty Bell and all that type of historic stuff. Make a long story short, it was held, the auditions was held down that part of the city. The line was wrapped around the corner. So that, that discouraged you from the rip because you got to just sit there and wait till your time. So I went up in there and they only gave me 30 seconds to spit. And before I can get my four bar out, they was already saying next. Damn. So the first time I auditioned, I didn't even really, they didn't really pay no attention to me. It was until the second time which I don't know if you can go back because it's so long ago. When he first aired the show, Puff had got Chopper and a few others, but he didn't feel confident enough to go on with the competition. So we did the whole competition again and did the talent search again and then went to Philly and Baltimore and Miami and, you know, did the talent search in the cities that they had selected. So the second time I went down there, Black Keith woke me up. He, he told me, let's, 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 take a tra- let's take a crack at it again. Puff was doing the whole competition again. He bought me my favorite food. We smoked. It was at the Trocadero, which is like, you know, a historic place, too, also in Philly. Um, I went there, spit. This time, the only thing different about it, it wasn't a big response to the callback. I mean, to, like, auditioning. So, whereas first time it was only, it was millions of people and the line was wrapped around the corner. This time it was, like, secluded. It was, like, four or five people waiting to audition. So, I had time to do my thing and really flex and so, you know, I would, you know, I did my thing. They let me spit for like, you know, a good 30 to 60 seconds. And that was a good sign. So they put me on a callback list for Philly. So after that, you know, just being from the hood, I, I thought my chances were slim. So I thought nothing of it. But like a week later, I got a call back from, from the, the, uh, the producers of the show saying that Puff wanted to see me audition for him in New York. Mind you, I'm in writing when I got the call. So, my response time to audition for Puff was 2 o'clock in New York. I'm in Redding, which is almost like an hour, two and a half hours away. I don't know, give or take. Um, so me and my cousin sat there for like an hour and a half to decide whether or not to go. We, we didn't decide to leave Redding on our way to New York at 2 o'clock, which was the actual response time that I was supposed to be there. So make a long story even longer, I got there. Line was wrapped around the corner. I walked past the line. I didn't even get in line, which was for the right thing I was supposed to do. But just me being me and being late and my personality, I just went past everybody and knocked on the front door. 
somebody came to the joint, one of the producers, or one of the staff people that was, was helping Puff with the show, came to the joint with the clipboard. I told them my government name. They said I was next to, to audition in front of Puff. So I went straight from hopping out the car, being late, walking past everybody in line, knocking on the door, to hopping in line next to, to audition for Puff. I fell off the fucking stage into a bunch of equipment. The most embarrassing thing I ever did in my life. Yo, but the dope thing about that is like, you initially, you know what I'm saying, initially wasn't fucking with it, called you back, you did it again. Like, like a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, they have the moments in life where some shit go bad, they give up. But you right. like, nah, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm I'm go with it. Like, that happened to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, right. like, I, I make all my money um, owning vending machines. And, um, oh, okay, vending, okay. Yeah, so I had got mad calls from like some big companies and then they all kind of fell through. So when I got this one call, I was kind of like, man, fuck it, man. This shit ain't about to happen. Um, but then I just like, man, I can't, I, you know, just be me and, and being professional. Like, man, I just, I'm going to just go there even if they deny me. I went in there. I was in there five minutes and they was like, you ready yo. to stop that it worked mm-hmm. and that it happens for you? The yo, day you're like, yo, <laughs> I'm done with this shit. That's the day you get the phone call. And you know why I say that? Because I've talked to everybody from Method Man, Red Man, anybody, somebody. Most deaf, talent, quality, they say the same thing. The day that they was about to stop for good and pursue something else is the day that shit start picking up as far as musically. Yeah, so I'm telling you, man. When you say, like, damn, I went through the same thing with the vending machine because it's such a competitive business because everybody owns vending machines. Just like everybody rap, everybody dance, sing, write songs, and can choreograph. So it's like so much vast competition and then with your situation probably is even worse, because nigga, you got the mob. That's when the, the mob's biggest fucking shit. So you you compete <laughs> yeah. with the mob for placements in certain places, in hot popular places. And I understand, bro. I understand perfectly exactly what you be going through. Yeah, yeah. And it ended up being yo that one ended up being my biggest contract, man. That's making me like Word. four thousand dollars a month. You know what I'm saying? And the day I was only in there for five minutes, and it was like, "Yo, we want to, we want to rock with you." Um, so I, I know what you mean. You know, as far as going back, and that's why I want the listeners to know is like, it's a lot of people that's thinking like, "Man, this shit ain't happening," but it's like, "Yo, just just stick in it just a little longer, man. It's gonna be some light." Um, so yeah, yeah. So uh, take me to pretty much you. You know, you you ended up getting accepted. You know, you go through. Uh, well, this was before the house though, because. You yeah, still have yeah. the series going on. Right. And, so, and yeah, we be, we still in boot camp phase. And the whole boot camp phase, unbeknownst to, you know, the people that was watching, I was on the run. I had an open – I was on probation for a drug case that I had caught two years prior to that. My whole situation could have been thwarted just by a wrong choice. I had a court a drug felony maybe a month pro- – no, a year prior to me being re- re- released from jail in 2000. Because the competition didn't come to 2002. So I was on probation for three years. So I was on a run on the show. So it got to a point where I start being, you know, one of the hopefuls. They start calling Philly, speaking up for me like, yo, he's up here with us. And, yo, he might have a chance on his group. Can you just let him rock out? So it was up to the point where Puffin was writing letters every day to keep me up there. And I haven't even been selected for the show yet. So, like, those was the early stages that I know that I was going to have you know, a career up there. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that shit, man. Every week. Every week was tuning in to the shit, yo. Um, right. So, you know, you, you go through the boot camp. I, you know, all this the series of different stuff you guys got to do, write songs. Rain you know, Man was on there, too. R.J. Payne was on there, too. Mm. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. R.J. Payne was on there, too. He left. He left, though. He left the show early before we was picked, but they really was fucking with R.J. Payne heavy. Matter of fact, when we auditioned, I remember like it was yesterday, they let him rap on three different beats. That's that's how much they was feeling his vibe. They only let me rap on one beat, but I was so mad from falling in, falling on shit that I didn't even care. I was ready to go home. I felt like this small. Because <laughs> you got to understand, at that time, I came straight from the street. That's my first time seeing Puff in real life ever in my life. So was racing through my head, what rhyme am I going to say? Do I say the same rhyme that I said when I auditioned for Harv Pierre and them in Philly? Or they might not, they might be watching for that and be like, yo, he only got one rhyme. So, like, the shit that runs through your head is like the anxiety. So all that played the part, and I end up falling into shit. Oh, man, that's that's crazy. But the, the fact that you got picked – that was a testament to your skills and shit like that. And probably you just saying, fuck it, I'm, I'm coming through. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? I auditioned so, um, twice and got picked first out of 40,000 contestants nationwide. 40,000 40, people, man. 40,000 people. You know what I'm saying? Yo, if, listen this, man. No matter what, no matter how much the eyes might seem, yo, if, if you persevere, son, you're going to be able to shine, man. That's what people don't be understanding. Like, we all get our moment. I think everybody in life get a moment, but some people don't grasp that shit. Some people don't take hold of it when it happened. Uh, so, so you did. So, all right. So you go through the boot camp part. You guys ended up being selected. Um, you know, go to the house, like all of that stuff, like, uh, which is well documented. Um, but now I want to kind of transition to now you actually, you know, you, 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 the band is made, you know, you guys got your name. It was five or six of y'all in the group. Right. Oh, um, so, well, it, it was a lengthy process for that. It was a grueling process. A lot of things you've seen on the show, a lot of people ask us, was it scripted? Was it? No, nah, it wasn't scripted, but you got to understand, like I said, it was uncharted territory. And um, Puff, he really didn't know what to do with us. So when you hear mm -hmm. about the cheesecake and all that shit, that's really like them freestyling. Like, we don't know what the fuck to do with these niggas, man. So tell them <laughs> to walk here until we figure some more shit out. So that was kind of like what you were seeing. Everybody like, man, I wouldn't have walked for cheesecake. I wouldn't have did that. But you got to understand, Puff didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I mean, he had some, he had an idea, but he really, you see, as it went on from season to season, as far as Danny Kane and Day 26, they got it better each season. Yeah. To where they yeah. was living in different places and different states and Miami and riding around in Bentleys and all that. We wasn't doing none of that shit. We could barely have company. I had Kanye West come to the motherfucking making the band house. We was living in the village to submit beats. Motherfucking Mr. Billy threw the nigga out, told him we couldn't have no company. And then Damn. Mr. Billy signs the good music three years later. <laughs> Yo, that's a that's a wild story. That's a wild story. <laughs> That's a wild, cause yo, we all remember uh Mr. Bentley, man. So that's a wild story. I remember seeing. Don't, don't you remember Kanye Mr. Video. Bentley was on Good Music? Remember he had the record with um Andre Three Thousand and Kanye. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That's crazy. I would have, I would have never put those two together. It's crazy, uh, that's right? That's crazy, <laughs> yo. So um, 
man, that's 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 some crazy shit. So now you know, now you guys are all picked. Y'all got your name, um, and now you guys are working on your first album. So right. you know, this is you know, this is still a you know a business kind of like podcast in a sense. So I want to give the listeners um a little insight on the business aspect, you know, because I know that you. Do do you know writers? They make certain money depending on how much of the song they make, or whether they write a verse, or whether they write a hook. Um, how does how does that kind of work out? That was also a carnival when it came down to the writing and what everybody wrote. Everybody was arguing about what they wrote. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, truth be told, I wrote <laughs> most of the material for our two singles that we had. Bad with this, bad with that. The joint we had the baseball shit, and tonight, even though Sarah sing on the hook, me and Babs helped Sarah write the hook, the words, not sing the words, but write the actual words. So yeah. on our two biggest singles, I wrote my sixteen and I wrote the hook to Bad with this, bad with that, meaning I get most of the credit off the, off the record because I wrote the most. Same thing goes for tonight, which was our second single. I wrote my 16 and I helped Sarah write part of the hook. So out of our two singles, I wrote mostly all, most, I had most material on our two singles that we had, which pushed the album to go gold. So you basically can say my pen, the percentage of my pen is what pushed the album to go gold. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I mean, I, we we all remember those songs. But one song that I re, I remember that people probably don't even think about that was that I used to fuck with is um the the devil keep on fucking with me. Yeah, yeah, that was. So one you know, of we, we all got the arguments about who wrote what, but as far as when, because you got to understand, even though we might record seventy songs, only thirteen is getting picked for the album, and only those thirteen beats are getting paid for. Only those thirteen songs are getting mixed. So all the other songs that we got, nobody gets paid for those records. Mm. So, you know, I may wrote a little bit on one of the records that everybody loves, but it doesn't get picked, so it don't matter. So the, most of these songs that I wrote on, they was the ones that got selected for the album. You know, Chopper had his solo thing, and me and Sarah had a, like, 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 she sung a, like her whole solo, and then I rapped on that. So I had my my highlights and others did too. So it was kind of like spaced around, but when it came to like the money situation, like who made the most money out of the records that was put out, I did. That's a testament to your pen game, man. So do you guys um in royalties, you know, cause back then you guys that wasn't 360 deal, right? Nah. This was before 360 deal. Actually, Puff is the creator of 360. He's the one who patented the deal. So anytime you hear 360, somebody using the 360 deal, they're they using Puff Daddy's patent. So that's the deal that he constructed. So he gets percentages off anybody that uses that deal structure. That's another and, fun fact for anybody. Wow. And and as far as the that aspect, that does the 360, it includes like, you know, your tour money, your album sales. Yeah, everything, everything. 360 deals what meaning when it's saying everything is, they get a part of everything. The merchandising, the publishing, the touring, the endorsements, they get a hand in everything. So, so before we get to the battle rap part, which is one of my um, 
favorite things that have to do with you. Um, what was because we all we all see Puff on TV. What right. is a uh that you know a a real Puff moment that you you know been involved in? It was like yo, that's that's some some shit. <laughs> that's funny. Whether it's funny, crazy, something you ain't expect, but just something you know that the listener can say, "Wow, for real." Um, I like it was a lot of situations, but one I can definitely remember was him coming to my hotel and having a conversation with me. Because at the time, me and my production company, which was Black Key, we lost. We you know the communication level was all the way down. And so he didn't know what was going on because I was always up there in New York with, with them. And he sent a letter of, you know, concern. And, you know, Bad Boy took it the wrong way. So Puff actually came to the hotel where we were staying at, to, you know, like, damn, what's up, man? Your man sending some paperwork and saying that, you know, he about to sue. And, and uh, you know, basically where I want to end up with the story is there's a lot of things that, sabotage me from being up there. But, you know, I can tell you this. A lot of people ask about my relationship with Puff and are we still cool? Puff is the sole reason why I was up there for so long. I was up there from 2002 to 2009, only dropped one album and had two deals. There's no other artist in, 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 in history that, that, that did anything like that. So anybody asking and speculating our relationship, the only reason I was up there for so long was because of Sean Combs, the owner of the company. All right, much respect. Was yeah. there um so you like I said you guys album with gold which was you know successful. Um another thing, was there like a moment where you was like, oh shit man, like I'm, I'm you know I'm I mean, yeah, that was the moment <laughs> where I, I like I really had to realize that like damn he was really keeping me there. It was like year after year, a lot of people was getting, you know, dropped off the label, and we're talking about greats. We're talking about M A Baller, MJG, New Edition. These are all the artists, legendary artists that was up there all the time I was up there. Uh, Elephant Man. Uh, I'm the one who introduced French. It's ironic that French signed a bad boy because French was, he was doing the Cocaine City. I was kind of like one of the first signed artists to bring him up within Bad Boy Studios, which was then Daddy's House. It's not there no more. It's been shut down for years. But when, Co when Frenchie was doing his Cocaine City DVDs, shout out to Lexus. She was one of the interns and the engineer that was working there. She was friends with him. And he asked her, can he come up and, you know, interview some of the artists on Bad Boy? And I was one of them. I was in there recording some, some music that day for the album, which was the band at that time. And, you know, he came in there and did some shit. And now he signed a Bad Boy. Okay. So now, now I want to shift gears to, to battle rap. Um, right. but I actually want to take it back though to making a band because now okay. I may be wrong, but you guys might have been one of the first people to kind of put battle rap kind of mainstream because you know with your battle with Jay Mills on, right. you know that was that was monumental. People regard me and Jay Mills' battle was probably now you know I don't want to say this to hip hop purists and they gonna they gonna criticize me, grind me up, but as far as the new generation. A little bit, people like probably a, one or two generations under me. That's probably one of the first battle raps people ever seen. If I'm not jumping out there too, too far on the limb, but like, like I said, it, it kind of redesigned battle rap as we know it today. Because, for instance, it was in front of a pool table. 
Now, now, where did Fight Club get that idea from? Where was mo most of their battles done in, in front of? A pool table. Pool table. Yeah. Then the whole three, the three round rule and the five round sudden death. That wasn't in battle rap until Puff did that on that show. You just go all night until whoever ran out of raps and that would declare the winner. Am I right or wrong? Hell yeah. <laughs> so kind of those things that was done was legendary. And when I slipped up in that first J. Mills battle, the first round I slipped up, I fumbled a little bit. And then when Puff called the round, he gave that round to J. Mills because he said J. Mills was flawless. Even that aspect today where you think it's like, oh, he fumbled, he slipped, he choked. He lost that round. Like, if you don't give a flawless performance on your round, it takes away from your round. So even people consider that you lost the round. So all those things was present there in that battle with Jay Mills. And some of these rules and regulations, battle rap still holds up to today in 2020. Nah, I, you know what? That's, that's some real shit because yeah, when you think about it, that is, that is true. That's am I, am I lying? True. That's 100% true. That's 100% true when you think about it. Because I remember, you know, back in, you know, the regular Smack DVDs, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. But once it, it kind of like rebranded, that. once it rebranded, it, 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 it does resemble that. It does resemble that thing right there, you know. Anytime somebody, Battle Rap yeah. came back to make a, make a comeback, I was there. I, I didn't do the Fight Club shit because they had me, they, they was, they was re-brainwashing to get out of the Battle Rap thing and make records because I was signed on a major label and they wanted me to make, you know, hit records. So they was kind of me wanting me to get out of that. So a lot of the, because I was put a battle shows on Fight Club and we had a whole Radio Hot 9-7 thing about it and Joe Buttons got in the middle of it. Joe Buttons was even there when I battled my son. Him and Mickey Fax. He's always been a big supporter and a big fan of battle rap. But I, I say that to say this. Whenever you look back on battle rap, when it resurged, I was there. When I battled my son in 08, World Series of Hip Hop, Murder Mook and T-Rex was on the undercard. I was the main event. And I was actually mm. had a deal that time recording for my album. After the band was dismantled, me, Chopper, and Babs was selected to stay on a probationary period. And that's when you got the Bonnie and Clyde album for me and Babs, which never came to play because Babs, I guess she had other things on her plate and she just didn't go whatever they was offering. So that's how I got my solo deal in 06. Yeah, and I, you know what you said about as far as anything that was kind of monumental with battle rap, you was a part of because, um, to me, you know, as far as everyone that I know, you know how big it is right now. A big part of that was Summer Madness too, the Return Summer of the Madness. Legends, yep. Return of the Buff Legends. Was Buff was there, Return of the Legends. I haven't been back on the Smack stage with that magnitude since that uh, since that event which was regarded as one of the best events in battle rap history. And I'm going on. Rap and I took the L. I took the L because battle rap has psyched me out to try to do it the new style. And then when I got up there to try to do the new style, they like, nah, we wanted to see you do it how you do it always. And that was my biggest mistake in battle rap. And that kind of pegged me. The same way, you know, the fight, and the cheesecake shit packed me. So I've always been working against these things in my career. So after that, like, like the battle rap community was done with me. Oh, he a sore loser. He acted poorly. So my whole plight after that was showing the people that I really deserve to be here. And I just like competing at a high level with the young generation.
and a young talent. Yeah, because your battle with um, Iron Solomon was prior to Summer Madness too, right? That was prior to Summer Madness. That was actually on Grind Time. Shout to Cat Callis and um, Plush Let. I mean, uh, Lush One and Plex. That was a do- that was a real dope battle. That was a real dope battle that you and Iron Solomon. I remember How did you that. You call one. that battle, bro? A lot of people say he won. A lot of people said I won. I, I look at I looked at it recently. I, I think it was pretty even, even though the backstory behind that is crazy. Because you know, at that time, Iron Solomon had world domination battles with uh. Casaurus mm-hmm. <clears throat> on Comcast and all that. So he was kind of like a legend in battle rap before Icon even resurfaced and came back to it. So make a long story short, the whole building was behind Iron Solomon. So it kind of felt one-sided in the building. But then well, the when I was different back on camera, I felt that I, I held up pretty good and I had a lot of memorable lines and quotes in that battle. But I call well, it I, think- I call it even. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, the best things you can get with a battle is where you got to kind of decide who won. Like, that's what I really look for. Like, man, just make it a battle to where it's like we can debate about it. Um, right. You know, because styles make fights. Beat up, right? Just one. Just, yeah. Right. And, it was, and it was, to me, it was, it, was a, it was a good battle, man. It was a good battle. Um, I, a couple of months, what did a few, no, probably was a couple months ago, but some months ago, I watched the face-off between you and Jay Mills. That had to be one of the most um, entertaining uh, face-offs I've ever seen. Uh, because, you know, it was kind of, you know, the, the rematch. Breaking up a little bit. Okay, can you hear me? Right, right. Yeah, I can hear yeah, you now. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, you know, that the rematch of you and Jay Mills from, your, you know, your legendary battle making the band. Right. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the battle. Um, I heard that you, you did your thing. Right. I heard you did your thing. Uh, I watched the face-off. The, the face-off was entertaining. Face-off um, probably was more entertaining than the battle was. I ain't going to lie. I, listen, cause I, listen, I heard, you know, they said Mills talked a good game during the, in, in the, um, the face-off. He, he, did, he was he definitely did. entertaining. He did, <laughs> but, did he? He did, did he? I, I heard you did your thing in, in, in the actual battle, man. So I want right. to congratulate you on that, you know, because I never got a chance to watch it. Um, Thanks, bro. But – the thing, you know, the reason that battle rap is, is, is so dope to me is you mentioned before, you know, how I'm in the business with um, the mob, you know, and it's a competitive thing, right. you know, so you always trying to look for how you can be better or how you can compete, you know, how you can kind of stand out. And what is it like when you're, when you're writing, preparing for a battle, you know what I'm saying? Are you looking for a great angle? Are you looking to, to outbar somebody? Um, that's a good question. It's it's different strokes for different folks. Every 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 battle rapper, a lot of a lot of things going to play when you're preparing. It could be somebody's momentum. You write harder. It could be somebody coming off a loss, so they might write harder for you. So it's it's hard to prepare for anyone, and even a no name, because a no name is really hungry. So you know it might be a situation where you you coming halfway and the no name is coming all the way and you end up getting embarrassed to to the point Mm -hmm. where you know it looks really one-sided so i would just say um it's like uh preparing to catch or hunting they say you got to make the net three times bigger than the estimated weight of the catch so i i kind of take that into play to where i kind of match 
my preparation to my opponent. If he's a no-namer, I might try to go a little bit extra on a bar-heavy thing just to show him the skill and the wordplay. If it's somebody popular, then I might rely on the storyline or whatever people know about them that's public information in the battle rap community and, you know, that type of situation. So it's, it's like I tailor it to my opponent. So it's, it's really no answer to that. I'm going to just say it's all about the timing and who I'm battling and what league and diff- all these different vari- variables go into play when preparing. But I try – I used to do it on a beat, but I, I don't do it on a beat any longer because I've, I've, I've learned when you don't do it on beat, it, when you do it on beat, it limits you. It's like writing on the composition book within the line. But when you don't do without a beat, then it's like playing basketball and the rim is this big. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can shoot from wherever, wherever. When you do it on a right to a beat, it kind of gives you limitations. If if that makes any sense to you, I don't I don't know. No, I I, I know exactly what you mean. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you mean. But um, then when you do it like that, like without a beat, you start to kind of uh subconsciously take on characteristics of other battle rappers because it's so hard to try to draw the energy when you're not listening to the beat because that's you know i'm come from that era where we we rapped over beats and if we did do acapella we still sounded like we was rapping over a beat and that's just the way it was done so now the new generation is not like that where you can it's more talkative more spoken wordish so mm-hmm. i take that into consideration with you know the new fans and what they looking for and i kind of fuse that with my vintage style and it's working it's working and you know I've, I've chalked up a lot of wins probably had a little bumps in the road here and there you know what i'm saying but for the most part you know i find my niche and it works for me so is there anybody that you you know you're looking forward to battling when the pandemic is over i i still got my i still got my target set on av you know me and av been having you know the war words you know what i'm saying online and blogs and on champion and things of that nature and you know i'm just looking forward to that maybe you know out of my whole battle rap career i've never asked for a battle other than a dna rematch other than the battle with ab hopefully it's, it's going smack and you know i, I know you probably about to get in that where, where i stand with smack the answer to that i don't know but hopefully i would like to be a battle ab on on their platform which would be the smack url platform Right, yeah, we we we, we got to get you back on Smack, man. You <laughs> you a legend in the game, man. We got to get you back on Smack, man. Let's, I don't know. I seen that. Smack at the lockdown in Philly with Cash Battle Arsenal. We had a brief talk. Told me to call him. I did no response. So I, I mean, I don't I, I don't really know, man. But I'm tired of having to give a question, like leave a question mark to the fans that want to see me on there. I'm not really pressed. Like, I'm a grown man. I'm content with where I'm at. Everybody wants to be on Smack. Of course, that's like the NBA. That's like the Super Bowl. Whatever you want to call it, it's like the highest tier premier battle league in battle rap. We all know this. So, you know, if you don't show up on there, it's like kind of like, ah, you know, you're really not showing up. But, you know, I can't really say it either because King of the Dot has a big following and they've showed me a lot of love throughout the years. I've been on there three times. I battle B Magic, the Source, and I battle uh uh um fucking uh goddamn what was the kid's name? 
the last kid I battled from, from the West Coast. Passwords. Pass. Mm. And I battled them on, t- like, three main events that they had. I battled them blackout. Yeah, the blackout. I battled them black two blackouts in a, a battle in a bunker. Battle the bunker was in California, and the two blackouts. No, I battled Mass. Mass was last year when I battled Passwords, and both of these are held in Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts. So where Smack don't give me the love, you know, these other little leagues have been showing me love, especially Battle Academy where they gave me my, my rematch with DNA. Then I battled uh, another NWX member, Kate Shine. He came to Philly. He definitely, you know, beat. He definitely came prepared. And I just mm-hmm. want to elaborate on that, too. You know, I took my foot off the gas with K-Shine because a lot of these top-tier battle rappers, they come to the leagues other than Smack because I'm not going to call these leagues small leagues because – But, but they kind of take it a little light when they come to some other – Right. So, you yeah. know, niggas but I'm going to Philly battle Nest. I, I don't care. They're going to go crazy over Nest. I'm going to do my one-two, get my check, go the fuck home. He really came. He respected me, respected the league, respected Stiz, respected um, Rick Dane and – just the whole Philly culture really came prepared, man, and I was really impressed. And, you know, I took my foot off the gas as far as writing is concerned. It was my biggest battle. And, you know, I lost. And a lot of people ask me about what happened in Philly. I, I lost, man. He was the better man that day. Yo, that's that's some real shit. And you, and, and you know, when when I watch some of your interviews, anything like that, like even doing the face-off with Jay Mills, like one thing that I've always respected from you was just that, you know, your honesty and just being real about shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, right. yo, you know, what kind of day is what it is. Just what I did. Like, I respect that. Um, And I think that's, I think that's good, you know, to, to be, you know, like that, especially when talking to the younger generation, Um, right. because, you know, you got people that don't want never want to keep it real. And, and then right. that's how you don't improve. That's how you don't get better by not, you know, keeping the real stuff like that. So, um, you know, just to, to piggyback it off that with the younger generation, What's some some tips you got for those who who are looking to you know be in the industry, um you know the in the music industry as far as you know um you know signing the deal as far as you know paperwork um money saving whatever um you I've know, had a resurgence of lately with this battle rap series I had I'm about to drop a, a mixtape it's actually uploading ready for Tune Care it's going to be um available on all um platforms shortly it's called Let Me Borrow This Beat Mixtape but I just been for the past year. I've been taking people beats and just jumping on them and acting crazy. I put all those things that haunted me behind me, the cheesecake, the DNA battle, all those things, and just let it all hang out. And it's been gaining me a new audience, as well as, you know, the audience that's been following me from from the beginning. And it's been lucrative, and it's been it's like a resurgence for me. And, you know, I had some bumps in the road just like with anything, but to, for, to answer your question, the internet has made it an even playing field, bro. There's no more being blackballed, blacklisted. Nobody's fucking with you. If you put out the content and it's good music and you keep beating up social media and you promote and you and, and, and you pop up on a platform that you need to be and, 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 and you show up where you need to be. And it's not all about making music and doing videos. and It's about being a people person and um, relating to the people and to your listeners and networking and having alliances in big places. And everybody think it's just rapping and being fly and having a drip and having the shooters on deck and smoking all the weed and having a jury and having a pretty cause. It comes down to having the merchandising, the event planning, 
uh, you know, things of that nature where I don't have to wear every hat, even though I get final approval and everything. I have people that confident, I'm confident enough and they're confident enough to, to go and do these things for me. So I can just focus on basically the music, which is my love and my passion. So everybody that's trying to get into the game, focus on building a team that's going to work with you as, as well as for you and around you. And just focused on being self-contained. You're going to do your beats, do your beats. You're going to do your videos, do your videos. Make sure your, your business is correct. Have signed to a publishing company. Register with BMI, ASCAP. Those are the two biggest. There's other smaller companies. I don't know, but they're the two biggest. Make sure your shit is right. So when you post your content on YouTube, YouTube is not throwing ads up there and getting money for your content. That's dope. That's good advice, man. I, I can't wait to share that to the to the young listeners, man. So, um, hey, you know, before we get headed out, man. Um, My bad, bro. Me... I get real talky when I smoke, but I just feel as though, you know, a lot of people like, damn, well, that should be where Meek Mills is at. But I can't, you know, I can't, you can't judge no man's path or no man's walk in life. Like, I'm right where I need to be. I'm alive. That's all I need to be. God wakes me up every morning to pursue the music thing and to try to get right what I got wrong in the past. And as far as comparing me to other people, you can't do that. And um, I just want to elaborate on, you know, a lot of people say, well, he should be there. Well, maybe that's not what God has set out for me. Maybe I'm a vessel to teach the younger generation about the do's, the don'ts, the ins and outs. I have the wisdom and experience. Might not have a million bucks in the bank, but I got the wisdom and experience. And if people just you know, get out of their head sometimes and put that in egos for once. I, I can teach them something. And I'm talking about this is more catered to the, the younger generation, the young guys that's coming into the game, or young females for that for, for, for that matter because the female MCs and hip-hop has made a big resurgence. There's more females probably MCs now than it, it is male rappers. Yeah, the females, the women are do, definitely doing their things. Just as much. Yeah, the women are doing their thing out there, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm rocking with them, man. Yo, so listen, before we get out, man, um, let us know where, you know, what you, what you working on. Definitely, the Let Me Brawl is beat mixtapes coming out, hosted by DJ Alamo, headed out of Jersey, so you know, Philly and Jersey, East Coast thing, that little trifecta, New York, Jersey, Philly. Um, uh, yeah, that's that. That'll be out soon. I got the three singles that's out right now on all platforms: Title, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music. One is called uh, "Money Make Them Understand." Other one is called uh, "Look at Me, Look at You." That video is on YouTube, and the third is called "Chick Fil A." That video was on YouTube, which is shot by Visual Portrait, and "Money Make Them Understand" video was on its way, which is going to be shot by Visual Portrait, and the Armani Dreams record. It's shot by um, Rel Keon. So all these singles, it's like four of them. They all are available for uh, download or streaming, wherever download or streaming you can. And, you know, definitely got the battle coming up Saturday or Vortex Battle League. I'm battling in, uh, some guy from, you know, f from the, the, they're, they're uh, kind of like trying to get established. His name is Out the Blue. So that'll be on Zoom at 8 o'clock Saturday, Vortex okay. Battle League. So everybody can um, lock in for that. All right, dope. And where can everybody find you on Instagram, Twitter, if you have Facebook? Definitely. 215 Enes on Instagram, 215 Enes on Twitter, Enes Mathis on Facebook. For anybody that writes 
you know, music and do reference tracks and write screenplays because I'm in a writing screenplays. I'm, I'm, I'm doing movies now too. I'm doing it all this year. Like this is, this is it. This is the Michael Jackson talk for me. This is it. So uh, the, the email for that is nest215 at gmail.com. That's N-E-S-S-215 at gmail.com. Send me your reference tracks, your beat submissions, your, your screenplay submissions, your screenwriter submissions. I'm looking for interns. I'm about to open up a studio soon. So all those things are incorporated with that, but that's the email for that. Nest215, 215enest at gmail. I mean, nest215 at gmail.com for the email. And uh, 215enest for the Twitter and Instagram. All right, man. You guys got all of that, man. So listen, I thank you yeah, again for being a guest. Baby. I know it's a mouthful, baby. Probably had to do part two, and probably like, probably like next month, sometime around this time, man. We do a, a three-part job, man. I, I, I don't mind, you know, getting up here talking. You know, what I'm saying, share my experiences with you in the world. So you know, let's make that happen, bro. You already know. Definitely, man. You know, definitely, I'll keep in contact, man, and, and share. Hopefully, we can do some business in the future, man, because. I'm 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 continuing to make moves and continuing to grow, uh you know so yeah definitely I'm gonna be in contact with you bro uh thank you again for coming on um I look forward to talking to you again bro appreciate it man shout out to my man.